All right. Well, this evening we are not going to be in our study of Luke. Some of you probably expected that. Others of you may not have given it any thought. We're going to be in a couple of different passages this evening. You don't have to follow along. You don't have to try to keep up, but I would encourage you to if you are somewhat familiar with your scripture. If you're just going to be getting there by the time we move on, then just don't worry about it and we'll be uh, okay either way. I want to begin tonight by asking you a question, and in doing so, I'm going to ask you to not take any offense to it, okay? Don't allow yourself to be offended by this. I just want to ask you this, and you just see what the answer would be in your life. Have you ever known someone who seems to have zero skill that is relevant to the world that we live in? Have you ever known someone that to look at them, you would say, goodness, I don't think you have any skills that are helpful to anyone. So I don't know exactly what you mean by that. So let me just give us a couple of examples. If you had car issues, like something wasn't right with the car, are there certain people that you would not even consider contacting in light of that issue with your car? Some of you probably know immediately people in your life that you wouldn't even call them because they would know nothing about it. Maybe it would be something like this. You have an issue at your house and that same person comes to mind and you think they know nothing about cars. They know nothing about homes. If I were to call them and run this particular issue by them and ask them a question, they would be able to give me no advice, or if they did give me advice, it would be lousy advice. You ever known someone like that? Same person, no good with cars, no good with home. Maybe it's a situation like this. You'd like a good meal. You know, some good food. And you thought, I wonder who can make me a good meal? Well, it's not that person. They don't know anything about cars. They don't know anything about homes. They couldn't cook a meal to save their life. They can barely warm up stuff in the microwave. Never known somebody like that? It's just like, do you have any skills whatsoever? Now, if you're sitting there tonight saying, I don't think I know anybody like you've just described. Listen, please. You do. He's speaking to you tonight. If you've got car issues, do not call me. All I'll do is give you a number to someone else. If you've got anything by way of a house issue that is more than, more than a, a sixth grade level maybe, and that might be pushing it, don't call me. I'm not your person. And unless you want to go out to eat, I'm not the person to feed you. I'm just not that guy. About the most I can offer you is a funeral service at the end of your life. Should you be single and want to get married, I could do that for you. But I really don't have a lot to offer you by way of relevant, everyday life issues. At the same time, let me ask you this. Have you ever known someone and it seems like they know how to do everything? Now, some of you are missing this, and, and, and you'll want to hear this, all right? Have you ever known someone that seems like they know how to do everything? 
like the car's making a sound and you say, I know who to call, I'm calling them because they'll be able to give me some information on this. They'll be able to get me going in the right direction. Something happens in the house and all of a sudden you're thinking, I, I need some answers, I, I need some solutions to this. I know who to call, it's the same person that you'd trust with your car. And then you think to yourself, man, I'm hungry, I, I want so-and-so to feed me. They know how to cook, I I'm gonna call them. And, and they know how to whip something up or they know how to throw something on the grill and it's just incredible. Have you ever known somebody? It just, it's like, man, you can do everything. Now, obviously, that's an exaggeration of sorts because nobody can do everything. But there are people that seem to just have an immense amount of skill and ability in ways that other people don't. It's okay to admit such. Now, I don't know about you, but since I know where I'm at on this scale of ability, I'm real thankful for the people who know how to do things. I am very thankful for the people in my life who know how to do things because they certainly make my life easier. So someone says, why are we talking about this? Why are we giving this attention? Well, this evening, what I want at the end of this service and what I want at the end of our fellowship is for us to leave here encouraged, all right? I want us to leave here encouraged, so whether it be the fellowship or whether it be the sermon tonight, I want us to leave here tonight with a, a, a spring in our step, maybe. I, I want us to leave here with our spirits uplifted just a little bit. So I want us to begin looking tonight in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22 is where we're going to begin, and, and I know I've said this a lot recently, but I want to give us a little bit of context as to what's happening when we come to this passage. What we have here is the story of Abraham and Sarah and the child that God gave them, the child by the name Isaac. We know that Isaac was given to them in the latter years of their lives. They were old whenever they were able to have him. And God did something in the lives of Abraham and Sarah to test them and their level of obedience in ways that you and I don't understand. It doesn't quite make sense to us, but in an effort to test the obedience of, of Abraham, what God said to him was this, I want you to offer your son Isaac as a sacrifice to me. Now, again, we don't understand that. We don't comprehend that. We would question why would God do such a thing. It doesn't matter what we think of it. That's what God said to do. So here is Isaac, and he is a, a young boy at this point. He's, he, he's an adolescent at, at the very least. And, and Isaac understands what all is going on and what all is taking place, but he doesn't quite understand where the sacrifice is. And so he inquires of this with his dad, Abraham, so notice in verse number six what it says. Upon Isaac asking his dad, Dad, where is the, the animal that will sacrifice, not knowing that he was the intended sacrifice? It says, And Abraham took the wood. Let me make sure I've got the right verse. I do. We're just going to read a couple of verses. It says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. So this is when they're going up the journey to where the sacrifice would take place. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. 
And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? So this is where Isaac inquires as to where the burnt offering is, the lamb that would be used. Now, we understand this if we know the story in verse number 8, that Abraham responded with a statement of faith. In verse number 8, Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. So as Isaac asked, where's the lamb? Abraham says in faith, son, you don't need to worry. You don't need to be concerned. God will provide himself a lamb. Now, where they were at exactly, the terrain that they were in exactly, you and I don't know. We don't know where all this would have taken place. But here's what we do know, that is in the next few verses, Abraham has got everything prepared. He's got Isaac up on top of the altar. He's got his hand raised with his knife in it. He is about to bring the knife down into the chest cavity of his son, Isaac. And it says in verse number 11, the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. So what does verse number 13 let us know? Verse number 13 lets us know this, that God miraculously provided the lamb that was needed for the sacrifice. This was God who did this. This was not coincidence. This was not luck. This was not chance. This was not just good circumstances or, or anything of that nature on the part of Abraham. This was God, listen please, this was God doing a supernatural work on behalf of Abraham. It's a wonderful, wonderful truth. Now as we think on that, turn over if you would to 1 Kings. Someone's car alarm is going off. If you recognize it, feel free to turn that off. 1 Kings chapter 17, I'd like us to look there. Again, just a little bit of context, we have the prophet Elijah. The prophet Elijah spent some of his time, we don't know how much, but some of his time in the presence of King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Not exactly two of the more godly people that we're aware of. They're not two godly people that we're introduced to in the scripture. And so notice what it says in verse number one. It says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Think about how weighty that statement is. It's not only will there not be rain, there will not even be dew on the ground for the next several years. Ahab, or uh, uh, Elijah rather says, until I give the word, there will not be dew nor rain. 
Then it says in verse number 2, And the word of the Lord came unto him, Elijah, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now, I know that we're familiar with this passage, but think about this. God says to Elijah, I've talked to some birds for you. I've talked to some birds, I've talked to some ravens, and here's what I've done. I've commanded the ravens to feed you at the brook where you're going to reside until the brook dries up because of the drought that will take place. So Elijah says in verse number 5, it says, He went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. In verse number 6, And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Can you imagine being Elijah? God leads and impresses upon him to go to this place, this brook, Cherith, and he says, now, now listen, I've talked to some birds, and the birds are going to feed you. You think there's a chance that Elijah kind of felt dumb at first? I'm sitting here. This feels really weird. And then all of a sudden, from whatever direction the birds come, some birds come and one has some bread and one has some flesh. Don't you know Elijah was thinking to himself, what in the world? That's crazy. And then the next morning, there's birds showing back up again. And they've got bread and they've got flesh. And then that evening, there's more birds with more bread and more flesh. And, and how long did that last? How long did that happen? Well, it happened until the brook dried up, the Scripture says. But what is that once more on the part of God for the sake of Elijah? That is a miraculous provision on Elijah's part. It's not because of luck. It's not because of good fortune. It's not because of coincidence or chance or anything of that nature. That is because of the supernatural, miraculous work on the part of God in the life of Elijah. And then the brook dries up, and what does Elijah do? Well, upon the commandment of God, he goes to visit this widow, and he says to this widow, fix me a cake. The lady says, I've only got enough supplies to make a cake for my son and myself. We're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. And Elijah says, make me a cake first, and she did. And what happened? That cruise of oil never ran out. Amen. For that entire drought... Not only was Elijah provided for, but the widow and her son were provided for. A miraculous, supernatural act of provision on the part of God in the lives of Elijah and the widow and her son. Now turn over to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 6. I like this story. This may not be one of your favorites, and it's not really one of my favorites per se, but I like this one. 
So notice what it says in verse number one. This is no longer dealing with Elijah the prophet, but Elisha the prophet. It says, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he, Elisha, answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. Remember, they're clearing out an area. So it says in verse number 5, But as one was felling a beam, or cutting down a tree, it says, The axe head fell into the water. The axe head comes off the handle, and it goes into the water, and the one who was using this tool, it says, and he cried. He didn't mutter. He didn't mumble. He didn't just kind of fumble over his words. It says, and he cried. So with a loud voice, he said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. So this was a borrowed axe in the hand of this man who was cutting down the trees with those who were with him. The axe head falls off. The scripture lets us know that it's made of iron. Iron doesn't normally float very long. He's distraught because he's responsible for it because it's borrowed. Obviously, this was not a man of means or else he wouldn't have had to have borrowed an axe. He's now responsible for it. The axe head is laying in the bottom of this body of water. So in verse number 6, it says, And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. Can you imagine this conversation? Where did it land? Just right over there. It just right over there. This is where it landed. Remember, he cried. Big sissy. It's right over there. That's where it landed. So notice what it says. And he cut down a stick. Can you imagine? Elisha, what are you doing? I'm getting a stick. Well, why are you, why are you cutting down a stick? Just, just a second. And he cut down a stick and cast it in thither. Where is thither? In the water toward where the axe head fell off. And the simplicity of this next statement is wonderful. It says, and the iron did swim. What happened? That iron axe head just floated to the top and was made accessible to the young man or to the individual who had lost it in the water. Now, I, I want to say this once more so that you understand this, that this was not coincidence. This was not luck. This was not chance. What this was, was a display of the supernatural, miraculous power of God. So what do we have in these three stories? We have God getting a ram stuck in the thicket at just the right time to deliver Isaac from being offered as a sacrifice. We have Elijah being fed by ravens because God talked to the birds and said, take some bread and some flesh to this man who is by the river. And then after that, the cruise of oil that never goes dry. We have a story of, uh, of this young man who lost an axe head in the water and the iron swims, not because of anything they had done, but because of what God was capable of doing. 
Think of all the stories I could spend talking about this evening. It wasn't David, really, who slayed Goliath. That was God working through David. Yes, David's the one who had the sling in his hand, and yes, David had accuracy, but it was God who supernaturally put that stone right in the forehead of Goliath and killed Goliath before he hit the ground. That was God. It was God who rained hailstones from the sky and delivered the children of Israel out of battle, so much so that more died from the hailstones than the actual combat that took place. I like that story. It was God who delivered the three Hebrew children from the fire. It was God who provided the manna and the quail for the millions of Jews for 40 years as they traveled through the wilderness. It was God who caused the sun to stand still while Israel was engaged in battle. Now, I'm trying to show us something. You and I don't have a lot of capabilities. I'd go so far as to say this, without God giving us the abilities, we don't have any abilities. Without God giving us the ability, you're as useless as I am looking at a car engine. Without God giving you the ability, you're as useless doing a house repair as I most likely am. Without God giving you or me the ability, we are incapable of doing anything. But I want to remind us tonight that we serve a God that can do anything. Anything. Not once in any of these situations was God stumped. Not once in any of these situations did he think to himself, oh man, are we in a bind now. He grew the thicket years prior to that ram getting stuck in it so that the thicket would be available when Abraham needed it in that moment. God knew how to communicate to the birds to say, give them or get some food and some, and some bread and send it to Elijah. God knows how to do anything to meet any need that his people have. God was never stumped. He was never perplexed. He never thought he had found himself in a bind that he was in over his head. No, if you need some iron to swim, I know how to fix that. Throw some sticks in the water. Obviously a natural solution, right? Now someone may say something like this. That's all Old Testament, Brother Kyle. Yeah, do you really want to go through the New Testament? This person brought back to life these blinded eyes, made able to see this crippled person, able to rise up and walk, this leprous person given clear, perfect skin. I mean, it's just one story after another story after another after another. Our God is capable of doing anything. Now, how in the world could that be encouraging? I think it's very simple if we'll think about it. I find myself in need as you find yourself in need. 
I find myself in situations and I find myself in predicaments where I don't know what to do and you find yourself in those same situations where you don't know what to do. And what do we get sometimes? Sometimes we get panicked, sometimes we get nervous, sometimes we get alarmed, we get anxious, we get discouraged, we get distraught, all these different words to describe our emotions. And what I need to be reminded of, and maybe you do sometimes, maybe not all the time, but I need to be reminded that, that if God can put the ram in the thicket, he can take care of any problem or situation I find myself in. If birds can deliver food to Elijah, he can meet my need. If he can make iron swim, he can fix the situation I find myself in. I know I've touched on this recently. I'm just going to touch on it again very quickly. We're living in some crazy days right now. We're living in some days where we don't know what prices are going to be, what, what the economy is going to look like. We live in some days of uncertainty. What about this? What about that? And on and on and on. And it can be overwhelming at times. It's good to be reminded, my God can do anything. Anything that I face Anything that I deal with, anything that, that presents itself as a challenge to me, my God is not one bit concerned about how he'll address it. He's not near as nervous as I am. And he's not near as nervous as you get sometimes. God knows how to address and fix and take care of everything our lives face. Now, for those who may be wondering, who may need this, let me just remind us. This does not mean that God is just a genie in a bottle. We don't just come to him, rub the bottle, him appear and say, what do you need now? And we get whatever we want. That's not how it works. But our God is able to do whatever we need, and he will be faithful to us as long as we are faithful to him. So tonight, as we're dismissed, I don't know where your mind will go in the next little bit. I don't know what you'll be focused on. I don't know. But maybe this week, when you find yourself overwhelmed, when you find yourself dealing with doubt, remind yourself, if he can make an axe head swim, he can take care of this. If he can put the ram in the thicket, he can take care of this. If he can make the sun stand still, he can take care of this. This is not a problem. My God is able. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer.